Welcome to Media Insultant for Tuesday, June 1st. Is Amazon the ultimate media carnivore? Can anyone really replace Rush? Does anyone want to? And Carolyn Beasley rocks it for the NAB. And don't forget our good example of bad management. Welcome for Tuesday, June 1st. This is Media Insultant. start this episode of Media Insultant to remind you we are now doing this show twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursday. And even that's difficult because there's so much going on in the media space. But I'm Jackson Weaver. My co-host down in Southern California is Keith Samuels. Keith, hope you had a decent Memorial Day weekend. And it's, yes, it's been wonderful, Jackson. Thank you. And you too, I hope. Uh, absolutely doing almost nothing but enjoying some fabulous northwest uh, weather so you know that's that's one of the that's one of the benefits of living up here we get 10 days a year that are really nice and we enjoy each and every one of them you guys in southern cal eh, you know just another nice day in paradise well yeah you'd think but today we're suffering from uh it's the last day of uh we're transitioning from may gray to june gloom so it's <laughs> uh you know we have the uh you know the marine layer that affects us until midday so you know, I'm not donning the board shorts until uh, until early afternoon. So All right, it's a, real well, stressful, it's a real stressful time for us here in Southern California. Yeah, I feel your pain. I feel your pain, buddy. <laughs> so has there been a more anticipated replacement that nobody cares much about in terms of Rush Limbaugh being replaced? Premier has announced they've got two guys now, not one, but two guys who are going to replace Rush. And I don't, I don't know either of these guys. Have you heard of uh, Clay Travis or Buck Sexton? Uh, yeah, I've heard of both. I mean, Clay Travis is a, is a sports talk host on Fox Sports Radio. I think it's Outkick the Coverage, and, and he does a great job on that. Um, and um, Buck Sexton is a uh, uh, conservative talk host and, uh, and, and regular uh, fill-in host for Rush. So he's no stranger to the show. But what's interesting is that they're going a different direction. They're combining a couple of guys who've never worked together before, as far as I know, and one sports guy and one, you know, conservative talk show guy. So it's, you know, it's kind of an interesting combo. And I guess this all takes place at the end of June, and um, and they'll take over in the time slot that Rush made so profitable and successful for for a Premier, and that's the noon to three Eastern. 9 to 12 Pacific. It's interesting they took this long to make the announcement because there have been other groups that have made other moves in that same time slot to replace Rush on their own. So they weren't waiting for Premier to make this decision, announcement. You've got Cumulus with their own host. You've got Cox Media Group, who's been who's syndicating Eric Erickson out of, out of WSB in Atlanta. When Clay and Buck, you know, fire it up, uh, they're not going to have the full complement of all of Rush's ex, uh, ex-affiliates. Well, and the, and the thing that I find interesting is, for some reason, Premier feels that they own that time slot. Rush, along with maybe Paul Harvey, are the only people I know who had the leverage to say, this is when my show's going to run. Lots of stations time shift all kinds of programs. Rush, they never time shifted after he re- really developed his, you know, his, his first four or five years and really became known for who he was. But nobody else, these guys don't have the clout, and Premier doesn't have the clout to go to any station and say, this is when you have to run it. 
So, you know, I don't know yeah. that anybody yeah, owns it, a time slot anymore. Yeah, and that may be that the only other guys that, that were successful at that, um, and that was ESPN Radio, and probably thanks to, uh, uh, you know, a few of the syndication guys that were working for ESPN at the time, T.J. Lambert most notably, um, where they, they if, you, if you clear, if you wanted to be an ESPN Radio affiliate, you had to clear Mike and Mike in the morning, and you cleared them live. So no matter what time zone you were in, you cleared their 6 to 9 a.m. show, and you cleared Mike and Mike. There were some other requirements about what other, how many other shows you had to clear, but that was, you know, that was, that was the edict. And they got it, and they still got it. So that's the only other example I have of somebody who just said, that's the time slot, and that's what's going to be. Um, and now with, with, with Clay and Buck, you know, I'm not sure how, how much strength Premier has to drive that, uh, that demand any further. We'll see. I'm, I'm sure they're trying. Well, we haven't had tentpole air talent in the radio business for a long time. Rush was the, really the last one. I mean, there are a couple of others that do pretty well, but they get shifted, time shifted all over the yep. place. Your point on ESPN is good. I, you know, I'm not much of a sports guy, so I, that's what I count on you for. That's why we do this two-way thing. Otherwise, how much use do we have to have you on the show, Keith? Hey, last week we talked about Amazon buying the MGM Studios, the Bond franchise, and uh, Hulu, some Hulu's content. And, and we talked about it because uh, MGM really has been a troubled studio for a lot of years. It's been kicked around a couple, multiple owners. They really have had a really hard time getting their stuff together. The latest Bond movie's been delayed a couple of years. And, you know, so the whole thing just seemed like, why would they pay that much money for this one asset? And then you and I were talking about the fact that Amazon has something the traditional studios don't have any ability to do, and that's to monetize who specifically is watching what specific shows. Their ability to garner data, consumption data, to know that mm -hmm. you bought such and such a book, that you bought such and such a planting apparatus or a tool or something like that, gives them incredible ability to target their advertising. And that's something none of the other studios have. So are we in a state now where Amazon literally is going to suck up all the traditional media? Well, until the, um, you know, until the federal government steps in and, you know, uh, you know, they get into antitrust, you know, problems, which could be, which could happen. And, and this could, it could happen even with this deal. So this isn't a, this isn't a, a shoe in, you know, the, you know, the, the feds are going to take a look at this and see what's going on. But it does mean that they can they can outbid and overpay. I mean, there were other other bidders in this process, kind of sniffing around. You know, one of them uh, ducked out at about six billion, but Amazon took when it when Amazon floated it up to eight. They just said, you know, no mas. So uh, yeah, it's uh, you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna go drive this boat. But you know, here's the other thing. You know, most of those MGM movies are only available um, by on disc. Okay. So none of the streaming services have all these classics that, that they run on Turner Classic Movies, TCM, or that you have to, you can only get on disc. So you know, Amazon knows exactly how many rentals they have, they, how, many, how many discs of Some Like It Hot they're still sending out to people who still subscribe to the DVD portion of their service. And, you know, and they're going... You know, we just got to buy these guys. This is stupid. You know, we just, and we, you know, if there's such an audience for this product, let's put it on Prime and kick the hell out of Netflix. And so, you know, you have this Netflix, Amazon, you know, battle to the death. 
Disney's got their own content machine, and HBO Max, you know, they're they're out there too. So, you know, I think once it gets beyond these these purchases, I, there's not a lot of places that Amazon can go to get more content without getting into you know antitrust issues. Well, that's a, that's a really good point. And of course, the other part of it that is relevant is we don't know who's going to get in trouble. Nobody would have anticipated AT&T when they bought Warner was going to dump it for half the price that they bought it for three years prior. So yeah. it's um, it, it, it just brings up an interesting point in terms of Amazon's ability to monetize a traditional media audience that goes far beyond what those of us in traditional media have been able to do. I think that's, yes. that's becoming yeah. clear. All right, Carolyn and, Beasley, and if, lovely... And if, and if, Go ahead. Yeah, you can go right ahead, Keith. No, I'm, I'm done with Amazon. They, you know, if you think that they, they could have bought Warner but didn't because they know who's renting movies and what they're watching. So I think this purchase was driven by consumer behavior that only they know. You know, they'll, make it, they'll, make, they'll be able to make money on this deal. They're not going to lose money on this deal. But like I said, there's not much left to go buy. So, you know, it's Discovery and Warner and it's Disney and Hulu and uh, ESPN Plus, all those, you know, we've everybody's kind of staked out their places in the streaming battle. So, you know, I don't know where you go after this. We'll see. Be very, very interesting. Okay, so Carolyn Beasley has won the National Radio Award for 2021 from the NAB. Uh, yeah, a, a round of applause for Carolyn Beasley. Carolyn runs a group of, a mid-sized group of, of stations called Beasley Broadcasting, cleverly named by her father who started the company. The real question is, does this award mean anything? What do you think? I'd forgotten there was such an award, and, and frankly, kind of disappointed that neither you or I have won this. So, you know, like, okay. And, you know, my comment is, well, is this one of those awards that just rotates among group heads? And, and this year it was a woman's turn to win it. You know, I'm, I'm sure Ginny's won one, Ginny Hubbard. And I'm sure, you know, has Pittman won one? Has, you know, David Field won it? I mean, uh, did, you know. I don't know, but uh, it just came out of the blue, and all of a sudden, no, oh, she's the national radio award winner. Whoa, okay. So, well, you know, but you know, she's she's worked her way up the the corporate ladder, uh, ten rings at a time, and uh, she comes with an accounting background. Apparently, somehow elbowed her sibs out of the way to be the CEO, and you could argue she's done a pretty good job with a medium sized company. It's a tough position to be in. And to your point, you know, the NAB for a radio becomes less and less relevant, and it was nice of them to at least acknowledge that radio still is around. So maybe that's the the best part of the whole damn thing. <laughs> well, I, I he, do have to admit, I've, ne- I've never met Carolyn. You have. Um, so, you know, I'm sure she's very gracious, and, and uh, you know, she's she seems to have an ego under control. And you're right, her accounting skills has helped keep Beasley going, but... You know, it's interesting. Uh, we've got uh, you know two of the big, two of the major groups that are uh, uh, run by the kids of the fathers who owned the group, and now they that's run right. the group. So yeah, that's you know, really a little true. Bit of that silver spoon, or as we like to say, the lucky sperm club. So there you go. Yeah. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how they survive over the next few years. It's it's a very sharp elbowed business these days. And speaking of sharp elbows, our example of good example of bad management this week is a story that you created that's not a story it's an experience you had with one of the stations you were involved with uh, bring us up to speed on that example of bad management well you know I don't, I don't know that this is an example of bad management it's an example of of um, of uh, 
of you know, kind of like thinking that you had the the uh, authority to run your sales department, but maybe you didn't. And uh, in this case, it was an example where um, uh, the owner of the station uh, told the uh, sales manager that, and this was a, a family-owned radio station, and told the sales manager that when the sales manager was asked to hire the owner's son onto the local sales staff, that hands off, don't worry, you have full authority, you can manage the department and my son just like you would anybody else, so you know, go for it. At some point, the sales manager decided to fire the son of the owner. I'm not going to name names, but the parties know who they are. It's a classic story. It's been around for a long time. So the, the sales manager, the GSM, fired the son of the owner, thinking he had the authority. He didn't have to go check. Well, a half an hour later, the owner came into his office and said that the son had not been fired. He'd been rehired, and he'd been rehired as the general sales manager. And the sales manager who fired the son was fired and out of work. So lesson number one. Take away, if you take ever away, take for away. a family-owned radio station, check with the owner before you fire one of the kids. Okay. <laughs> and that's message and key takeaway take number two and number three. And maybe the fourth takeaway is don't hire family. Man, I'll tell you that. It was quite an experience. Yeah, yeah. Those are some great stories. All right. A great example of bad management. And in this, that light, we just encourage anybody who wants to to send us their example of bad management at jackson at intownmedia.com. And Keith, our time's up. We're going to go do this again for Thursday. In the meantime, let's go have a good Memorial Day. And you have a good afternoon, buddy. Good to see you. Have a great week, Jackson. See you on Thursday.